Hello and welcome to the Quiet Upstairs podcast. In this episode I chat to photographer extraordinaire Edward Mason. We discuss how Ed taking photos of shows in the London and Hertfordshire area eventually evolved into him touring the world with bands such as Stray From The Path and Architects. Be sure to follow Ed's Instagram which is at edmasonphoto where you can see some photos from his recent trip to Kenya with Stray From The Path. Thank you to everyone that got in contact and said they enjoyed episode one, it's really appreciated. Lastly, I've just launched the UKHC Digital Archive, which is a project bringing back forgotten UKHC releases to streaming services such as Spotify and iTunes. If you use Spotify, search for the playlist I've made, which is called UKHC Digital Archive, and also follow the Instagram. The handle is at UKHC Digital Archive. I'll be posting the artwork for every release that goes live. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. This is episode two of Quiet Upstairs with Edward Mason. So Ed Mason, you just got back from Australia and you're off to Kenya tomorrow. Explain yourself. So I've been out in Australia, um, been spending a bit of time there, been a bit, bit of working, a bit of relaxing, spending time with my girlfriend. Um, it's nice. I really like it. Been going back and forth for about a year now. Got a really nice sort of community of friends that I feel that I've really, I've really gelled with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of like all stemmed from... Uh, going over there the first time with Architects, we went over there on tour and we did a, a festival run called Groove in the Moo, mm-hmm. um, which is the best festival in the world, and any other festival in Europe should take a leaf out of their book. How many times have you been over there? Must be like four, four, four or five. Yeah, four times probably, I reckon. Lost count. But yeah, so when I was on that tour, met a band called Ocean Grove, mm-hmm. and they were supporting and kind of got on well with those guys. I stayed after in after our tour. I stayed after for a couple of weeks, and we went and did a photo shoot. And um, I kind of said, like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring a medium format camera. Mm-hmm. I'm going to shoot um, one roll of film, and we're going to shoot twelve shots, and each individual setup for each shot, and that's all we get. So we're only going to take the shot once instead of trying to take the shot multiple times. What we get is what we get. That's interesting, yeah. And it kind of worked out, and um, I went into the their label office and showed them photos and the photos ended up becoming like one's been used on t-shirt one's been on the poster photo for like the last year yeah and so like that's just off the back of me really enjoying working with those guys and spending time with them and I was just like I think we could make something really unique yeah and I feel like we kind of found a like a partnership in that and then now they're some of my like closest and dear friends in Australia so yeah got a good community through them so I've been enjoying that um and then you're off to Kenya tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so... How, wait, when did you get back from Australia? Uh, three or four days ago. Okay. So, kind of just catching up with jet lag. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter. You kind of just... You kind of just go with it. And now we're, we're off again tomorrow. So, going over with another band called Stray From The Path. They're mm-hmm. um, a band that I've known for a few years now. I toured with them for the first time when I went on tour with Landscapes. Oh, yeah. So I toured with Landscapes on the, when they supported Architects. I think it was maybe like 2013 or 2014. Mm. Went on that tour, did a few dates with Landscapes, met those guys up there in Manchester and we started the tour from there. And um, didn't really meet Architects on that tour. Like didn't, okay. didn't really 
I didn't really meet anyone on that tour. I kind of met Drew from Stray, and I kind of met some of the Northland guys. Yeah. So that that tour was kind of like the almost the basis for me, like moving further into metalcore and like metal genre. Yeah. Because before I was kind of shooting more like punk and and hardcore bands. Yeah. And so moving in kind of like with those guys, um, we did that tour. Kind of met straight from the path and did a few things like that. Mm. Didn't really kind of. Um, meet them maybe again so maybe like three or four years until i toured with them and mm. uh, i think we i think we did a tour either in the u.s or it, it was in europe together yeah kind of like really got to know those guys and was now, reynolds in the band at that point no well at the first first time i ever met them reynolds wasn't in the band yeah um but i definitely think that now like he is just like he's perfect for those guys they can yeah. They're like such a good group of guys together now. They're all going so well. Like love spending time with them. And so they got this opportunity to go to Kenya with, um, uh, I think, Hardcore Help Foundation, which um, uh, is run by Rico. And Rico organized this festival last year for Stick Your Guns. Well, he didn't organize it for Stick Your Guns, but Stick Your Guns were the band that played it. Right. And they were the first hardcore band from, I guess, the US to ever play in Nairobi. Yeah. So I saw that was happening, and I saw a bit of footage that was online. What did it look like? I've not seen that footage. It's just, I think, off the top of my head, it's just a tent. Okay. And it's maybe like 200 kids in there just losing their shit. It sounds amazing. Like fully, <laughs> fully, like... Half the crowd is like bouncing at one tempo. Half the crowd like is not really paying attention, but just going mental. Yeah. And then the whole front is just like going apeshit. And it, and I just saw that and I was like, this is great in many, many ways. But also there's no one there taking photos of this. Like there's no one there documenting. Yeah. Kind of the process yeah. of this festival happening, like why Rico's doing it. Um, and I mean, I'm really excited to learn more about it because to be honest, I don't, I have, don't really know a huge amount of detail right now kind of about the projects that Rico has been doing out there. But I guess after we have this chat and next week I'll have a, um, a bunch of photos and maybe a, some, some other stuff for people to see online, which can yeah. show more of Rico's efforts. Cause I wanted to go and document stray playing the show yeah. and kind of everything that would surround it because I don't know any Kenyan bands. I don't know anyone who could name any Kenyan bands especially nope. within punk hardcore metal so to me that's what was really interesting was that there were these bands in the bill that were playing heavy music that were from a country that we don't know any touring acts from yeah so I'd, so wait there, there are local bands playing yeah there's local bands I think there's oh, wow. three or four local bands playing and then AYS from Germany are playing AYS well. yeah which is really cool because I mean I haven't seen AYS play for maybe like five or six years but I thought that was super cool that they were playing this because they were sort of like a big melodic hardcore band around that time. Yeah. Uh, maybe like 2010 to 2012, sort of that. Yeah, it's about the right era. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they were kind of like playing lock shows then, so it's cool to just see their name line up. Yeah, that's definitely really cool. So, so you fly out tomorrow evening? Fly out tomorrow with Straight From The Path. Um, flying from? Flying from Heathrow. We're flying to Ethiopia, Ethiopia to Kenya. And uh, we got one day off, maybe in the city, I think, maybe uh, an afternoon or something. Okay. Sleep. The show is the next day. And then uh, Rico is going to take us to show us the projects he's been working on. I think from what I've seen, he is delivering a wheelchair to a family that have um, a disabled child and just like um, 
being able to offer something through his charity to them yeah. to make their life easier is just like something I kind of wanted to include in the documenting. So Absolutely. I'm going to go with him to the to the projects that he's been working on. Um, and then I think we've got another couple of days, which I'm not totally sure what our plans are yet. We're kind of just, as far as I'm aware, it may be just like seeing what's available to do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm excited to just be along for the ride with those guys. That is insane. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Kenya when I was young, so it's a really nice place. Yeah, yeah, well, I've just, I wouldn't have ever thought that, you know, doing what I do, taking photos of punk and hardcore bands that would ever take me to that part of the world, so. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. So going back to the sort of local scene you're talking about, um, when did you decide, or did you decide to start taking photos of those? So I kind of didn't really start taking photos too much of the local scene till maybe kind of like 2008, 2007. Kind of started picking up a camera and shooting at Underworld. Was going to Underworld like two or three times a week in Camden. Oh, but you're, you're still young now, so how old were you then? I must have been, yeah, about 14, 15. Sure. Like, I think I was about, yeah, about 15 when I kind of got my first camera. Yeah. And um, was shooting locally. And yeah, North London didn't really have like a massive scene, but Hertfordshire kind of had like more shows happening around that time. Yeah. So um, I would often go to like Club 85, which was in Hitchin. Hitchin, yeah. St Albans had the Pioneer mm-hmm. and it also had the Horn and then um, there was maybe the Square that was in Hartford and then there was maybe like a bunch of like smaller venues that were in, dotted in between where yeah. shows happened but yeah like lots of bands came through I mean hardcore wise like Club 85 at one point had like a decent hardcore promoter like a Carpathian and you know Shipwreck would play and bands like that and you know for for just like a random venue out in the middle of the countryside you know, getting hardcore shows through to me was like alright you know, what other hardcore shows are happening nearby. Can I quickly pause there and tell you a funny story? We, uh, Last Witness, played Club 85 and Hitchin once with The Legacy. Yeah. And three random blokes walked in and just like that classic thing. You know, like when someone walks into a show and have no idea, it's just always amazing because the entire venue is looking at them and they have no idea why and you just, in your back of your mind, you're going, ah, there's going to be a fight in a minute. Oh, no. (laughs) And, um... Yeah, so I think someone like moshed into them at some point and yeah, they pulled a knife on someone and it was like, oh shit, no one expected that. <laughs> it hitching. <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean... Random memory, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, I remember hitching having like a fair share of things like that. Kind of not, not so aggressive, but just shows did get exciting and you always do get kind of like maybe the, the, the weird guy who stumbles upon the show because he's like, you know, kind of on the night out and he sees it's you loud just hear and something. there's something happening. Yeah, They're like, in. well, there must be something going on there. <laughs> and I, like and another thing kind of similar to that I remember was Gallows playing the horn like after Grey Britain had been released as kind of like a small local show. Sure. And them covering The Clash. Yeah. I fought the law yeah. and it just being like kit, like people punching holes in doors <laughs> like people dancing on the bar it, pints being thrown across the room God. and like I remember I was standing on a speaker stack in the corner just like holding onto the ceiling while the whole ceiling was moving and just being like this is fucking wicked <laughs> like, this is great like no photos because you spend the whole time having fun you know yeah, and it's, it's one of those things we, yeah, you said like it's it's a shame that no one documented that, but then it's, yeah. it was also nice that it kind of goes down in sort of legend as. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure that like, you know, everyone who was at that show will remember that. And, you know, because to be able to like work with Frank now mm. and, you know, be able to have those memories of, of shows back then is really cool to, you know, see 
almost not be with him for the whole journey, but to be aware of his whole journey from then. I'm not just, you know, someone who's seeing him rise to success now, but seeing like really being there for the early days, which yeah, is yeah. a real cool, you know, thing to have with someone that you're working. Cause it's like, you get it, you know where they've come from. Yeah. So, sorry, I've derailed your story there, but so what happened um, in terms of photographing hardcore bands in the early days? Yeah, just sort of picking up those local bands, taking, you know, um, taking photos of them and going to shows, meeting people, mm-hmm. um, just sort of like kind of also wanting to play in a band, but also kind of just wanting to go to shows for free. So blagging door spots. It's a good way to do it. Yeah, I used to do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just film stories and get them for free. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> just turn up with a camera and say like, I want to come watch a show. You know, it used to happen all the time. Bands would play, you know, Ghost Inside would play up at the Square in Hartford with your demise and it'd be like break even even played that show sure and you know that's like what 250 kids or something and you just you know hit someone up an email and say like you know can i come to a show and take some pictures they're all awful like just you know just (laughs) do you look back at your early photos and think they're bad yeah yeah some of them some of them i look back and i kind of go i'm just going to re-edit that one okay just because it's going to look better this way because back then i probably was not doing i've already wasn't seeing them as with a a vision to have a style and aesthetic. I was just like, yeah, it's a photo. Yep. Okay. Like, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, so I've been going through my, uh, kind of like old archive, some pictures I really liked of a band, um, that I was digging up with outbreak. Mm-hmm. They played in Barry St. Edmunds. I went up to that show. It's trash. Yeah. I think trash talk one weekend and then, Bar- and then outbreak the next. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that, sh- those shows were happening in Barry St. Edmunds. So I read an interview where you discussed, uh, the, uh, you played in Last Witness for a while you played bass and you came on tour with us and yeah. uh, you really liked the film photos that Theo was taking at the time and you sort of read you sort of you, you said at that point that was when you realised you wanted to take photos like full time or yeah well I think I was taking I was taking film photos and carrying around a 35mm camera with yeah. me that was that was 2010 yeah so yeah. for maybe like the last two or three years I've been carrying around um I had a Yashica point and shoot mm-hmm. T4 and I had like an Olympus OM3 or something or, or, you know, something like that. Pentax P30 maybe. And just one lens, like nothing to it. And I was just shooting, you know, standard Fuji superior 200, 400, whatever I could get from boots. Like okay, yeah. not really, didn't really know anything kind of digging around old film cameras in my parents' loft and whatever and finding old rolls of film and stuff like that and seeing, like, difference that was coming out. But then I saw Theo um, asked to borrow my Yashica mm-hmm. and he borrowed that for God knows how long, maybe, like, five years. I think he ended up breaking it in the end. No, no, oh, I got it working. I got oh, really? it working. Yeah, yeah, I, st- I still use it. Good. Um, and I think that he, uh, he was using slide film and I didn't have a clue what that was. Right. And that to me like kind of changed a lot of things like that I just thought film was a thing that just didn't really have many variables that were all kind of similar but he was kind of you know showing me that you can you buy that film you get it cross-processed in another chemical and that meant that the colors would be drastically different from what they would be the colors are wild they're like they're really vibrant but also really like um 
kind of dull as well at the same time. It's really hard to describe. It's like they're, they're full of colour and extremely rich, but it's kind of like just a, a singular tone, yeah. which makes it feel like it's dull, I think. Yeah. And I saw his pictures, I thought they were great, and for, for some reason he's taken them all off the internet, you know, <laughs> and for no one to look at them and enjoy them, because I really wanted, you know, to go back and look at them, because... He might also have them. Yeah, well, I think I did at some point, and he said he'd have to dig through his negatives, but... That to me was influential in color aspect because mm-hmm. I very much love black and white and I've always loved black and white as, okay. as a way to um, really get your point across and what the photo is saying, what's happening in it. You know, not, yeah. you know, you're looking at what's happening and that's it's like the purest way to see the scene in yeah, my eyes. Yeah. Is like you've just got that contrast. Um, Obviously, if you wanted to see this scene as it is through human eyes, mm. then color is, you know, as plain as anything, you can see exactly what's happening. But I just think that the, the shooting in black and white for me was such a became such a thing that I just enjoyed seeing the images that way. Yeah, that I've just kind of carried on with it for so many years, and I just I think people have kind of known that that's kind of something that I do. And now, you know, I see lots of other people who do lots of colour photos mm-hmm. and then the odd black and white. I'm kind of doing it the other way around where just if I really like a shot that I feel needs the colour, then, sure. then I will go for that. Because you, you shoot a lot of venues where you often use multiple lights. Mm-hmm. And so to my mind, it does make sense to use black and white because otherwise it's just a, a chaos. Like it's just because your, your eye is drawn to the, the beam of light that's going diagonally across the stage as opposed to yeah. the singer or the guitarist or whatever, you know. Yeah, so... In some ways, like you really want to show off, like the, like the lighting directors um, or lighting designer, whoever has kind of come up with the, that idea, you really want to show off their work. Like they might have awesome color patterns. It might really, really work well. Like yeah. um, Paul, who works with architects, there's a section in um, C A N C R where it just goes blue, red, blue, red, blue, red repeatedly yeah. for the beginning of the riff. Okay, and like you just watch half the front of the crowd like covering their eyes because it's so painful to look at. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it gives you this three D effect because your eyes can't, you, your eyes like kind of change to look at the blue and then they change instantly to look at the red. Right. Okay. And yeah. So with the riff, um, it works kind of um, it synchronizes and you you, you feel a bit funny, yeah. but it looks incredible. And so you know, there are bits like that that you want to try and capture to kind of show off their work and their imagination and not just like, you know, cancel out all colour. Yeah. What were some of the early bands you sort of remember taking photos of? Could you, do you take photos and hit them up afterwards or? I kind of just go to as many shows as I could. Yeah. Try and document as many bands as I could in different genres. Kind of, you know, anything that was happening, I tried, if I was free and in the evening to go, I would just go because... Was this all, because you were working for a company like projectionist company so just in your free time from that you were just doing photography outside of it right yeah pretty much so I was working full time and in the evenings I would go to a show and then I would edit the pictures and then I'd go to work in the morning okay. so I'd be doing like you know a nine hour day and then I'd go out and spend the evening shooting and trying to get yeah. to know bands and stuff not necessarily with the ultimate goal of going into photography full time but just because that's what I'd always done Yeah, I wanted okay. to keep doing it because it's very quickly, uh, you can very quickly fall out of the scene. Like, you know, you know, as a photographer, you know and have met so many people. Not everyone's going to keep tabs on what you're doing. And something that I've learned is that you literally just have to be chasing everyone to know what they're up to and if they can have you or and stuff like that. Because otherwise, you're just going to lose out because they'll find someone else to work with. Yeah. So I you've got to really stay on top of it. 
Yeah, it's that, and also it's nice that you kind of have the passion to sort of keep going because there are a lot of people who say take, take up photography, do it for two years, you know, sort of build up a bit of following, a bit of reputation, and then just stop doing it. Yeah. So it's nice that you kind of kept that up, even though it, it was, you know, still your hobby and your passion, you still enjoy it, but it does sound like a, a slight sort of hindrance to your life in a way, I guess. Yeah, well, I kind of, I had, I think a lot on planes, and I spend a lot of time on planes now. So, you know, watching Netflix and watching films and them is fine, but I spend a lot of time to think you're confined to this little thing. For yeah. like nine hours, you end up getting bored with everything, so you end up just sitting there thinking. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, what happened to all these other people who were shooting at shows sure, when yeah. I was shooting? Like, I just don't know where they all went. And I was like, maybe I was, like, the last one standing of that, um, you know, that kind of time where I was shooting the photo pair at all these shows it was kind of not really a thing for bands to have a photographer. It no, was, that's definitely it's, it's a recent new. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To like to bring a photographer on tour to document it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of happened in the last few years because social media, of course, has, has kind of blown up. Yeah. People would have photos of shows on MySpace hmm. and that's where most of my early photos ended up. Um, you know, they were on Flickr or MySpace or Tumblr and it just it spread around through then. And, and especially um, a band that I worked with and took photos of their early time in Europe was the story so far. Yeah. And they had like a real, you know, rise to success real quick. And Definitely. the photos kind of went with it. And people saw them around and people were asking me for prints. And I would see that someone had put lyrics on a picture and it got like, you know, half a million um, like you know reblogs on tumblr so yeah you, yeah you would be like how is this happening and like that's my photo and no one knows that i've taken it they don't even know who i am yeah and it's like right something's happening here like there's really photography is becoming more than just you know taking photos at shows definitely which is, yeah. what everyone, which is what like anyone who was doing it at that time was going to the shows to take photos and there was a few standout photographers at that time and like one that i all you know i always look back on he was shooting shows and he made me kind of want to pick it up was Tom Barnes. Mm -hmm. He was um, shooting with many of the bands that I work with now, but you know, f you know, way before I was. Yeah. And he he like put a PDF online that you could buy for like five pounds, and I bought that, and that was like a bunch of tips. Oh on really? How to take photos at shows, like how to get better, and I and I actually um, I met him last year at the Heavy Music Awards. Oh okay. That yeah. he was nominated for. Yeah. Which you're nominated from this year for this yeah. year, so that's yeah. amazing. So it was cool to see, like, you know, he was nominated for that last year, and to meet him and get to tell him, like, you know, man, you probably don't know it, but you're probably the biggest influencer on like most of the kids who are shooting photos today. Yeah, and like, you know, he now takes stunning portraits and stunning photos, commercial Absolutely. work. Yeah, yeah, which is incredible. But you know, really, his early days were a big influence on me, and to be nominated for the same award that he was last year uh, is also ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's, congratulations! I hope, really hope you hope you win. Yeah, well, I mean, whether I win or not, there's a bunch of really cool people nominated for the award who all take great photos. So that's kind of really what matters is that every, that we've all been noticed. You got some exposure out of it, yeah. People take people, you know consider that we take good pictures and that mm -hmm. we work with um heavy bands and so um they must you know be paying attention i guess which is cool and everybody that's kind of uh, nominated this year is not like a may like not like a world renowned renowned 
artist for taking you know live band photos sure, whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. like they really are people who have ridden the wave of social media and people needing a photographer to go on tour with and stuff like that so yeah definitely it's it's interesting about yeah uh sort of photography being on tour because uh, to me it makes perfect sense because i'm like well, if, if you're out on the road 24 hours a day and every three days you put up one photo i'm like what on earth are you doing? Like, you, you need to show everyone in the world that you're out there, you know, mm. take a photographer with you, take, you know, a, someone who's never been on tour before and, you know, give them sort of a place to sleep and some food and, mm. you know, a bit of money. But, yeah, yeah well, it's good exposure for both of you, really. Like, Yeah, for sure. I mean, I wish that maybe, like, some of my early hardcore tours, you know, I went away with um, a bunch of friends who were playing in a band called Isolated. We went through yeah. Germany and, you know, a bunch of other countries. Can't remember where we went. But, um, you know, I wish I was, I made a little video from that tour. Uh-huh. But I wish that I was um, taking photos because I was more concentrated on video. And that was like when video had just been put in SLRs. So, yeah. like, the yeah. quality was terrible. And it was like, wow, I can do this with the same thing I take photos with. But they really wanted a video from it. So I was like, oh, I'll come along. You know, I wish I took photos of the way of everything that the way I take photos now. I wish I took, you know, the same sort of style sure. as then, um, if that makes sense. But, it does, um, yeah, and it's like, yeah, definitely at that time. I remember that sort of time, and there there is way more videos than images from that sort of time. Yeah, yeah, and, and we stayed in all sorts of strange places. Like maybe I do have photos from it, and I need to dig them up. But you know, we played a, a show in the bottom of a pizza restaurant that was also a squat. Right. That like in the basement of it, they were having a show, and this is a hardcore band playing in basically the archway of a cellar. Yeah. And um, the opening act was a like a druid with dreadlocks that were like nine foot long, <laughs> and his only. This is the most Euro thing I've. Ever yeah. Done. <laughs> and he was like the only the only merch he had on his desk was like um like kind of the the books that you get at school with like the blue cover. Oh yeah. And then you open it and it's got the lines in. Yeah. But like his merch was just the lyrics to his songs. Like you could buy lyric books. Fascinating. Yeah, really cool. Like, I really wish I knew who he was because I probably like his music now. <laughs> <laughs> so, at some point, I remember having a conversation with you. You told me, you know, you're making a conscious decision to leave this company, leave your full time work, and sort of jump into the unknown. And uh, yeah, that's a that's a big decision. Um, I would say that, you know, I learned a lot working. F- um, at a production company and I learned a lot working for a long period of time and mm-hmm. doing something the same thing every day not exactly the same but working for the same company every day for five years was something that I'd never done Yeah, and that was new to me and at the beginning and also taught me a lot but I feel not that I have a short attention span but I feel like I get distracted easily and I see other opportunities out there and if you're working full time you can't take all these opportunities if you have so, an active mind, you'll sit in an office. It's just a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, my job was not sitting in an office. I got to do a lot of cool things. And, yeah. and I got to travel quite a bit with the company, which was really cool. But, you know, there was something else in me that kind of wanted to keep trying at what I'd been doing before, which was taking photos of bands. And more and more people were, you know, seeing my videos, seeing my photos. Um, you know, you know, Dead Swans played their last show i know they're back now but they played their last show at the garage yeah and um you, you know i had some photos from that that kind of got around and one photo from that of landscapes was um selected to be in a photo show 
okay. for a, um, a company called Creative Commission. Yeah. And it was picked by a bunch of uh, photo editors and like, I guess there was a panel of, of you know, influential people or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was chosen, it was put on the wall and that was in Soho, I think it was actually on Denmark Street. Okay. And so that was kind of like my first time that I'd ever had a photo on a wall. And it was yeah, framed yeah. up and it was one and it was with a group show with a bunch of other people. And uh, that was cool. And I went down to see it. Kind of like, you know, got the vibe of what a photo show would be like, which bearing in mind, like I'd never been to a photo show to, to do with music. They don't actually happen that often really with contemporary, you know, photographers. Yeah, yeah. So I saw that and I was kind of inspired off the back of that, like to go and do something else. Okay. And, and um, I was in getting a cab to underworld for trapped under ice show yeah and i got a call and it was dave brolin who was working with q magazine at the time okay and he was like hey i got your number from matt create commission you know your photos in the show you know we did a you know a bunch of stuff with them or whatever so this is a direct influence from that photo being in that show well whether it was not i think maybe it was that matt at creative commission said like oh this guy would be like good for that job yeah and okay. because I'd made that contact and had a photo in the show like maybe he just kind of quickly put two and two together sure okay and Creative Commission is a company that um, you know you pay a monthly fee they uh, can you can pitch for jobs and they kind of apply you to a large market okay yeah um, you know I'm not being paid by them anyway to say any of this mm. I just think that they are a cool company that have given me cool opportunities and that you know most people nowadays need someone like them to champion them and maybe like help the smaller guys get in touch with the the you know the people who are dishing out the work sure because because that can at the beginning of a career that can feel like a real long way away yeah like how how do you get your photos in a magazine you don't realize that it's just a photo editor it's just a man sitting behind a computer with an email address just going that looks good yeah or yeah. like saying, hey, I've got this job, I, I need a photographer. And then like everyone's just so happens that everyone is booked that he usually uses on that day. So he then turns Boom. to the, you know, um, he turns to someone near and says, I need someone quickly. Maybe that person was Matt. I got this call from Dave saying, I want you to come and shoot Run the Jewels. They're playing, at, um, I think it was 100 Club. Yeah. And I went down and had like five minutes, shoot some portraits, quickly shoot the show like it's a hardcore show. You know what? It's like 250 capacity or something. It's kind of a bit of a blur to me that that night because... Was that your sort of like your first sort of paid... Pretty much, yeah. Like big thing to do? Like Yeah, it was, it was that. It was that certainly was, magazine work anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That was my first magazine job, which was like really cool. But for me personally to get you know not just like oh we want you to take shots of this band like go to this show it was like a real quick like last minute call like we need someone now so you've already got the adrenaline of like we need someone quickly and whatever all those feelings that come with it Uh and yeah so that was shooting run the jewels and it that to me was kind of like really uh, the first time i'd worked with um an act that was in a different genre like that that was still aggressive like a hardcore show yeah, they have a lot of parallels. Yeah. Like, yeah, but definitely. So it's like, they, they, you know, I could kind of feel the same feelings I would yeah. feel at shooting a hardcore show. So I just got that same vibe and, and I love the pictures from that still. And they were in Q Magazine, which, um, you know, after that job then led me to go on and work with, you know, a massive 
array of bands, thankfully through Dave. Uh-huh. Um, Fat White Family, The OCs, Charles Bradley. Yeah, um, wasn't there an interesting story about Charles Bradley? Yeah, Charles was really... Charles was probably my most memorable person I've ever worked with. Um, for Q Magazine, but in photography in general... Because you know, was it, it was, like sort of an animated character? Or? Absolutely, but he's someone I'd always listen to. You know, I'd, yeah. I'd watched the film on him, the documentary on him. I listened to his music from very um, early on when he was playing. Uh, kind of like uh, there was a sessions band that were that kind of like brought him up and allowed him to sing. Yeah, the songs. He, he was famous sort of very late in his career, wasn't he? Yeah, I think yeah. he was hitting sixty by the time he was getting re- you know really known around the world. Yeah, and that to me was I love this story. He is. Uh, clearly like a beautiful human who just wanted the world to love each other yeah and he would you know would pour his heart and soul into every everything that he did mm. and i really got that i got to spend a, you know a few hours with him before the show we had a like not an interview but we just sat and chat and he was like do you want a white wine yeah. and we just sat down and had a drink together and he took me through his clothes Okay. For the evening, his uh, you know his outfits. He was wearing three different setups. Yeah. Um, and it kind of just, you know, I, he just said to me, you know, put his hand on my shoulder, and he was like, you know, be yourself, man, be yourself. <laughs> and awesome. like, you know, it, when you get that sort of from someone that you're shooting with, it makes you feel so comfortable. And we got some great portraits from it that I love and that I treasure dearly. Uh, which one was actually up on um, the wall of a uh, at the Tate Modern. Oh wow. Um, it was up with, to do with one of the Tate Lates that Uniqlo do. Okay, yeah. There was like a bunch of other photographers. Um, I mean, an- loads of other amazing photographers, like just um, Holly Fernando, another amazing London photographer. She she had a bunch of work in there too, and that and it was really cool to see everyone just kind of like celebrating and having their work on the walls of um, of basically you know everyone's favourite in London. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing you have that photo. Um, Sadly, considering he died, but mm. it's amazing you have a, you know, your own portrait photo you took of him, which is a yeah. really nice photo. Yeah, and nice. I, and actually, you know, about the Tate, it was the pictures that I entered were a, a wider range of my favourite photos to kind of be picked for this. It wasn't a competition, but it was just a, um, the the photo editor of that or curator yeah. had just picked a few of their favourite photos that someone had submitted. Okay, and yeah. um, they have to be someone who. Um, really that you've you know had an impact on your life oh okay and it made you feel something from working with them yeah and it was just a coincidence that both of the photos were chosen with two people who had a very you know similar situation one was the photo of charles bradley a portrait and the other was uh, another photograph i have of tom Searle working walking in the rain at, yes at yeah, rock yeah. and ring i've seen that photo it's amazing and you know that picture to me is you know Again, it's up there, one of my favourites, maybe my favourite, maybe the best image I'll ever take. Yeah. And that was a real moment where you're like, I was meant to be there. Like, yeah, there was no yeah, one yeah. else who could have done that because it's just about circumstance. It's just about having the right camera at the right time. And I was just sitting, you know, I was sitting, it was raining so heavily. Everybody was running inside. Yeah. And um, I kind of have um, uh, three or four photos from before of kind of everything that was happening else in the venue and Tom was really included in them and then I kind of went and sat outside to watch the rain and everyone running in from them yeah. and I hadn't really seen Tom all day at this point and, and he had been spending some time on the bus 
and we hadn't really seen him and the show was getting you know it was, cl- it was getting close to showtime yeah so it's kind of like you know we need to get everyone together you know where is he we, you know what are we going to be doing for this show and um you know i just kind of see this rain pouring down and i've got my point and shoot yashika t4 i've got you know a roll of poundland film in there just yeah. you know nothing last roll of the tour or whatever and uh i just kind of see this smiley face coming out of the rain Amazing. and tom is just walking in a t-shirt and shorts he's not even wearing his shoes properly <laughs> and he's just smiling while everyone else is trying to dodge and hide the rain you know and and just like that, embracing it he's just he's got a big smile on his face he just doesn't have a care in the world yeah and and that photo i mean i love so much it really summed up kind of like his attitude towards a lot of things so uh you know, those two to be on the wall of the Tate at the same time, it was just really cool to me. That's and a defining like, moment for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, super cool. So we're just talking about architects. Um, when did you start working with them? I think you said it was pretty soon after. Yeah, so um, pretty much uh, pretty much after three days after quitting my full-time job. Oh, wow. Um, I was in the car with my friend Sam and we'd gone to walk my dog and we on the you know walk we were kind of talking about bands and stuff and I was saying like I want to try and get another touring job and I want to kind of work with uh, magazines again and I had to run the jewels thing kind of come up at the same time so I kind of was a little bit inspired to maybe reach out to some bigger acts and try mm-hmm. and say like oh you know I'd love to work with you and he was saying you know architects have got a new record out they kind of you know they're going to be doing this they're going to be doing that and I, and he'd only known because he'd been looking at them on the kind of like on the internet watching what they've been doing and I was like yeah and and he, and he said also like you had toured with them with landscapes mm-hmm. so he said like that might be an in because bearing in mind I did that tour never really met them but I had the opportunity to kind of shoot them on stage at Coco oh okay yeah and yeah. they didn't really know who I was at the end of the night Sam said you know we're just going to get our friend here to take a picture of us and I was just, you know to me at that point it's like getting to take these pictures is for me like it's kind of always what I've always wanted to do but as I was saying before the job role didn't really exist yeah like you would get the opportunity to shoot with a band and Mm -hmm. and kind of cover the cover everything that a band was doing but it would only be for your own sake not for them yeah so you know I just kind of snuck on stage and uh, you know after a while I was like well no one's kicking me off so I'm just gonna keep going with this and I shot the whole show and I took a picture of them at the end of the night at Coco and then didn't really hear from them for like three years. But that's because, you know, not that I'd expected to hear from them, but I just, we, I was working full time and yeah, yeah. they were touring and doing other things. And so, you know, that's kind of how things went. So then three days after quitting my full time job, I spoke to my friend Sam. After having the conversation that same day, I went home and opened my laptop mm-hmm. and I had an email from Ali from Architect saying, do you want to come on tour with us? Wow. And it was just like, I was like, I text my friend Sam and I was like, did you fucking bug my car? Like, what, how the hell does this shit happen? And that to me is like a real, you know, like a, like the universe is giving you like a little nod. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah go on then. Like, so do you know how they came to the decision to ask you that? I don't know that detail. Okay, right, yeah. So, I mean, that, the detail could be that someone had maybe recommended or someone had said like, this guy shoots shows or maybe they saw because the photos. Because I, I think... Yeah, at that point, you know, because you had so much material out there, I think mm. the chances of them stopping somebody across you is probably quite high. Yeah. Or perhaps yeah. they just looked back and saw that photo and were like, 
Awesome. Yeah, maybe so. And you know, when I got closer to the band and we all started, you know, talking to each other and we used WhatsApp, you know, I, I realized that Dan's photo on his WhatsApp thing was what that picture from Coco that I took of him. Oh, well, okay. And it was just like things like that that were like kind of coming round, you know, and, I'm yeah. ma- and making sense to me that like people still appreciated those photos even though they were so old. I think it's one of the things like obviously you were taking those photos, put them online and not charge anyone, which is, you know, yeah, of, yeah. of course, but like that's just a kind of thing of do good things and good things will come back to you, you know, like... Yeah, and and, and I always try and do that and, I, and I'm an advocate of only trying to do good things, but, yeah. like, in a way that... Because, you, you know, I, I can feel like if you only do good things for everyone, they might find... You know, people can potentially take advantage of that. Absolutely, But yeah. But I don't... I feel that... I feel that, like, some people can and I feel that maybe... I was a little bit oblivious to people doing that. And I haven't had any major, major issues where someone, you know, has fucked me over or whatever, but it's, but it's, I think about it all the time. Cause like, I, I kind of always go my way to help everyone. And if someone's ever in any way horrible to me, I'm just like, fuck that person for life. Like, yeah. Cause I'm always as nice as I can be. And you know, yeah, but yeah, I, I think I'm a, I'm like a kill them with kindness, but like just be raging in silence. Kind yeah, of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in many ways, and no one's done anything bad to me, and I try and you know help as many people as I can in many ways. And to be honest, like I don't really get an opportunity to come across people that you know where where it can lead to a bad opportunity. So sure, yeah. You know, everything's always been super positive, and so going back to the architects thing, yes, it was three days after Ali said, "Do you want to come on tour?" Mm-hmm. Which tour was that? That was a tour that I did with Parkway Drive, so it was their last okay. support tour. Which was really cool because we just got to, you know, have a lot of time to ourselves as well. Like on a support tour, you kind of just have like, you know, especially they weren't the opening band, but like they were kind of in the middle. So you've got the time during the day. Yeah. You've got the middle middle slot and then you don't have to finish. You don't have to be on the bus so late. You're not like turning up on the bus like half one, two in the morning sure, after yeah. you've chilled. Yeah. So it was really nice like time to get to know everyone. Um, yeah. And of, and of course, like the tour was a success and Parkway Drive are incredibly huge now. That was the kind of the tour where they really stepped up into yeah. like the next bracket of, you know, I guess like arena metal band size. And then they're just, you know, such a big band in Europe now doing so well. They are crazy big, yeah. Yeah, they're just, it's unbelievable really. And especially as they're, I mean, they've always... But then, but then architects are... Yeah, sort of came to that point now as well. Absolutely, like, and so you know like, what I love is seeing that all those bands that I've grown up with going to all those shows. You know, I saw Architects support Park Road Drive at the Forum on the um, like not not Empiricon Fest, but whatever it was called. Like there's an Empiricon tour that they oh were yeah, doing. Ones, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I saw them do that show, and they've always been you know associated together. Architects have been a band that have been a part of my life since I've been into heavy music. Sure. And I think that everyone who is into metalcore and into heavy music in the UK understands that about mm. that band. And they know that they they are like a legacy band, but at the same time are a contemporary artist. Definitely. So it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, being, correct, a, yeah. being able to like cover both those things, um, you know, you have a large respect from a big community and the shows only get better and the songs only get better. And so, you know, to be able to work with them is, you know, is kind of what I'd always been punching for. Yeah. So to have that opportunity, you know, I can't thank them enough. The, you know, the places they've taken me and opportunities. Yeah, because you've toured the world with them for a couple of years now, and it's, it's yeah, it's, you've been 
to the maddest places and as you say, I've made those contacts in Australia and yeah, yeah it's led on to other things I help, I'm sure it's helped with the stray thing as well I, I owe them everything pretty much yeah. so yeah they are they've helped me in many many ways so you are talking earlier on about um, photos being important for social media and stuff and I think I remember you telling me that one of the reasons you don't do videos for um, Architects Live is that it just doesn't get as much impression as uh, photos do so you tend to do do you say one video per tour did well, you that? well, we did some videos, and they had done videos in the past, but everybody does videos. And architects don't do what everybody does. Mm. You know, they kind of do their own thing and set themselves apart. So they've always worked closely with Tom Welsh. Yeah. He's a guy that made the 100 Days DVD. Sure. Um, you know, he's a fantastic guy, amazing director, DOP now. And he just is, you know... To, the, to them, he's the guy that they want to do the you know the video element of the band and tell the stories and, okay, yeah, and yeah. really show it in the best way possible. And I don't feel that, yes, capturing some footage like every night is is cool, but I think just stick it in a Dropbox, just have it there, just have it, yeah, sure. you know, like yeah. in case you in case you need it. I'm a photographer, not a videographer. Yeah, I'm happy to collect the footage, but when it comes to editing. I'll do it, but it's really one. It's not something I enjoy, mm. really, because there's never really enough money to match the amount of work. Okay, yeah. You know, I've got a couple friends who work with bands and do video, and I mean, it, you're up late all night, you're rendering, you're editing, you're cutting, yeah. and then you get the first edit out, and then it needs some adjustments, and then, you know, you need to put some type on it. And, you know, the people that want to cut corners end up, you know, reaching out to, like, effects packages and then, like, typography packages. And then it ends up, like... Mundane. It uses up mundane. It becomes, like, you know, an Instagram filter or, like, a VSCO filter. It just becomes, like, something you've seen before. Yeah, yeah. It has no originality and it's not very tasteful in in my, you know, personal experience of it. So I didn't want to keep, like, putting out mediocre videos where it's, like... Just because every other band has someone who can do photo and video doesn't mean that every band has to have someone who does sure. it. Yeah, and like uh, that could be something that maybe people who work with bands, like a manage a manager role or something, could disagree. But you know, it we, seems to be working for them. It so. works for them because what I like is that if they need something to be told through video, it's told in a way that's like you know fifteen minutes or something sure. instead of like forty seconds. It's got vi- it's got live content. It's got storytelling. It's got interviews. It's got it's got film. It's shot on beautiful lenses with an, with the right budget. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I get it that some bands don't have the budget for those things, but you would be surprised if you just actually came up with the right ideas. Yeah. What someone can do uh, when you don't stretch them thin between photo and video. That's true. So like I got to do a tour with Frank Carter and the Route Snakes mm-hmm. and Tom Sykes was doing video okay and it was like what a dream to have someone who's gonna focus on capturing all the same things as you but in video form while you can just shoot photos amazing means that we were being able to capture so much more stuff and it really really worked and it just it was amazing and for a band like you know the route snakes i think the video for that is definitely important the the videos the video is definitely important but also again like i feel the same thing as i was saying before that it become it becomes People know what the band looked like on stage. Mm. But it's cool to capture the singular different elements that happen every night. Yeah. You know, the, that band, they everybody knows them for their high energy show. 
and different things do happen every night and it's same you know with many many shows some things can go wrong some things go right but you know the set and so you know when Frank's going to disappear into the crowd and do something yeah. and so you're able to kind of poise and try and get that key yeah. shot which is uh, something quite interesting yeah well that's and, and, and you know what every venue's different and sometimes Frank might not want to go into the crowd the same way as he did before he might want to climb the balcony he might want to climb the stage yeah. he might want to climb the amps and you kind of got to be ready for that and if you're like videoing and you're like damn I wish I was getting a picture of this by the time you've changed to photo mode you, and you're, yeah. you've missed it you missed so it. That, that kind of does, I, I meant to say earlier on, just quickly, like, I I remember, like, seeing sort of you taking photos in the early days, and you, you mentioned you snuck on stage and took a photo of architects, and I used to love watching you just sneak around venues, you're the king of it, like, you just bypass all security guards, yeah. like, and, but, because I'd see you do that, and I'd see you look at the people in the photo pit, and just look at them, and just go, I'll do the exact opposite of that. Well, I've kind of always done that, and I haven't to this day once worked for any, you know, member of press at a festival, let's say, yeah, or like um, any magazine or any, or haven't. I guess the better way to explain it would be I've never worked in the press tent okay, with the yeah. other photographers who are working for the press. Yeah, yeah, and festivals are kind of you know that season where there's lots and lots of photographers, everyone's out there to capture the shots. And I always saw that, and I was like, they're being herded like sheep. They are. They got the press, the, per, the person who works for the PR, and the you know, the people from the press agency, and they're like, right, you can go in now for your three songs, and everyone comes in and like huddles together and takes their pictures, and they're, and they're always they're, like really angry at each other as well. Yeah, like everyone's bumping <laughs> into each other, and you know, lenses are clacking around, and you got people coming over your head, and then if you work, and then if you're shooting a band like Frank, you know, you'll be lucky to get one song before the press agent, you know, goes. Or oh, we don't want to get someone to get hurt. Yeah. Oh, quick, let's get everyone out. And, it, and then it's like, you know, what the fuck? But I'd see you just like use the opportunity to just like jump up the side of the stage and just, yeah. just disappear. And then well, that's it. You get the right. whole show that way. For example, I've got, I've gone to Slam Dunk Festival every year for like the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. I've worked for the you know the PR company who worked for them a few years ago. Didn't you shoot? You shot for the paper there, didn't you? I shot for the paper the first year that I went. Yeah. It was yeah. a local paper, mm-hmm. and um. And then I shot, you know, for various bands after I went with Stray one year, I went with whatever, you know, a bunch of bands. But this year they changed the location in the south. And, um, you know, bands that I'd worked with were all over the bill. You know, Good Charlotte I've toured with recently. Frank Carter I've toured with recently. The Empiricon stage was just like counterparts every time I die. All bands that I'd worked with recently. Yeah, yeah. North Lane. And so it's just full of my friends. But, you know, this is, the, this is not to say like, you know, Slam Dunk Festival, do something about your security. But like I didn't have anyone, you know, ask me a single thing. Yeah, I would just slide around there because you know how to work the festival. You know that that guy working that gate wants to be home with no problem. Yeah. So like you can talk your way out of most situations. Yeah. Now the first festival that I learned that at was heavy festival. <laughs> this is what that's actually what made me think of it. Because yeah. I yeah. kind of did the same thing because I was just filming YouTube videos. Of bands, I was like, no one's capturing this like wild set. I, I caught some stuff. Well, we great. filmed we filmed that cruel hand set. I, we did. Oh, I forgot and, about and we, that. And we split the video. Like I did a fifty mil, and or and you did a wide, or the other way round. I remember, and actually, yeah. that's still on YouTube. The audio is terrible. I watched it recently, <laughs> but I actually really loved watching it because I was like, who's putting on cruel hand? Like playing in the middle of the day in Kent. Like yeah, what? Yeah. Like who's doing this? I'd always just try and make it onto the stage and stand by the PA speaker. And just essentially just look fucked off. Because if you look fucked off, 
like you're supposed to be there. Yeah. No one's gonna come question you. No, if like, you're on the stage, you don't get questioned. Like yeah, say, yeah. Yeah. Well, you just gotta make it that far. <laughs> so, so at that festival, you know, whatever, I'd asked a bunch of bands, and I knew, you know, loads of people playing that festival, loads of hardcore bands. There's Brutality Will Prevail, mm-hmm. Landscapes, Iceberg. You know, I think even on the bigger stage, there was like Trapped Under Ice were playing and Cool yeah. Hand and loads of people and stuff like that who all were like, yeah, sure, you can take photos, you can take video for us, like you're with us. But because, you know, the two-week gap or whatever where you've got to give your guest list in, mm. you know, I was I was late to the party in that respect. And I was trying to say to the woman in the tent, like, who was giving out the passes, like, you know, could I just have a AAA? Like, because, could I just have it? <laughs> And she's, like, no, and she's like, no, you can't. And I'm like, okay, but look, there's about seven or eight bands in this bill that I want to shoot on stage for, and I just don't want the security to keep pulling me off. And I understand that I'm late, you know, to the party with this. And yeah. I should have thought ahead, but I didn't. I'm here now in front of you. Can you give me one? She says, no. She says, the only way that you can do it is if you bring each member from each band to come here and I'll give you a pass for your set. So I just did that. I went and got a member from each band and maybe by like the third band in, I think like Iceberg or something, she was like, she just gave me the pass. <laughs> and she was like, I'm sick of you. I don't want to see you again. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, the truth is, everybody just wants to go home at the end of the day without any problems. Yeah. If you work, it, look, you're working a nine to five, everybody wants to be home at five, you know, leaving the office at five, home by six, you know, feet up, eating, watching food, and then waking up tomorrow. Most of these people that do that. Whereas for me, I'm like, I don't care what time I get home. I slept in a car that night because yeah. there's nowhere else to sleep. Like, I don't really care. And like, the, the, the annoying thing about that is I remember I took some videos and for like two or three years afterwards, they just took the video from YouTube and just used it as promo. And I imagine they did exactly the same thing for your photos and but it's like you know it doesn't organize you know we just did it off our own backs or you know, yeah but, well i mean don't but, fucking worry because the pictures of you know broken teeth and um you know all you know all those hardcore tent acts all the photos from that landscapes one of the pictures from that they were always used as posters for the next years to come exactly for the next festival and it's like you had to fight to get the pass it's like had a, you know i, I don't mind because i love I, I like the social aspect of it. And yeah. there's nothing against the people who are doing their job properly. It's just that there's a game to be played and I play it and it's funny and it makes it it makes it fun. Like, it does make it fun, know. yeah. I, I agree. So what's the uh, kind of advantages of shooting sort of digital versus film? Obviously on tour, uh, digital is the one. But also quickly, follow-up question as well, so I might keep in mind. Uh, what's the kind of, I want to know about your post-show process. I'm really interested in that. Okay, well... Film and digital is real. really, it depends what you're shooting, it depends what sort of aesthetic you want to have, um, you know, what you enjoy mm-hmm. also, and how much money you have. Yeah, film is expensive, yeah. Film is expensive, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, you know, digital is equally as expensive. You could buy a very cheap film camera and you could shoot, you know, a thousand pounds worth of film with it and you could probably get some awesome pictures. Yeah. But then you've also, you know, many, many people overlook the process of the lab. Yeah. The lab is super important. You know, fresh chemicals, using right chemicals, right scanner. Right. Not just roll, rolling up to Asda, popping it through, and then you're getting like, you know, you know under a megabyte scan back, and then you're trying to do anything with that. You're not. It's going to look yeah. dog shit. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, for me, that was a real learning curve because I was getting everything done at Asda. Okay. Yeah. And I was getting dog shit photos I couldn't do anything with. Yeah. And a picture that Code Orange wanted to put on a t-shirt that I took of them was processing Asda. <laughs> and um, 
And I was like, fuck, what do I do? Like, how do I get this to be big enough to put on a t-shirt? So that was my first experience of going to a pro lab. Okay. It was maybe like when they were first came over here or like 2014 or something. I'd been shooting rolls of film, taking them to shitty labs and just getting back bad quality negatives, you know, shot and shit film. Bearing in mind, I've been doing that for nearly like 10 years. So when I learned that there were pro labs and there was such a thing in them, I was like horrified. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought that film was so dead that the only people who were still doing them were like Costco, Asda and like Snappy Snaps. Sure, yeah. So, you know, I had all these negatives at home where I'd just been shooting and dropping them off at local spots. You know, too young to really like even research like a professional aspect of an industry. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of led on to me wanting to shoot more of it because I was really loving the results. Yeah. You know, that picture made the code orange shirt. It was, I walked into the venue. I took two pictures on my Yashica point and shoot on slow shutter mode. And one of them made the t-shirt. Amazing. So it's like, it doesn't matter what camera you use. I could have shot that on a digital and it might not have looked the same. And they probably wouldn't have used it because it might not look as cool. Yeah. And if that to me was like, you know, every time I get one of those little, um, you know, things happen with film, I'm like, got to go back to shooting more of it. Got to go back to shooting more of it. Yeah, yeah. But the truth is, you know, people that are taking, you know, many, many pictures, it doesn't matter what camera you use, digital or film, doesn't matter. You take a good picture, it's a good picture. So, yeah, because I want to say, like, is how much do you kind of rely on the editing side of it? You Or, I mean, obviously, this only applies digital, but it's a sort of post-show process. Are you there editing a lot and... Do you kind of sit there and sift through 700 images and go, that's it? Or do you just try and take, like, say, 30 good photos? So on average, um, I average around, like, maybe 1,200 to 1,500 photos a night of an architect's show. Wow, okay. So, like, just using that. They've got a kind of long set, so you, I'm shooting a lot. And also, it wouldn't be so bad if the lights weren't so erratic. But their show, their light show, which is, you know, incredibly well-designed, is amazing but it is based on strobes a lot of it okay strobes and beams which means that they're very on off on off very quick which means that a lot of pictures you take are maybe like a third of the frame is white and the rest is black because you caught the strobe in the wrong amount which which can look cool but yeah oh i love it yeah yeah, but when you you've got to get it right so you might take like 10 shots to try and capture that one Mm -hmm. and so that's why you end up with a lot from a show like that but yeah i pretty much know in my head i keep like a you know a memory log of uh, all right, I got a good one when I was there, and okay. I oh, so you do like based on location sort of thing. Kind of, yeah. I'm like right, so I've got a good wide, okay. I've got, you know, a good close up, or like, oh, that's the one of Sam. Like that's the one tonight. I got one. You know, yeah, like because yeah. I mean that happens. If I had to whittle down 1,500 photos to one in the space of you know an hour, yeah, yeah, I would not be able to do it. Yeah, so <laughs> I end up with I end up with about a, probably about a hundred good photos that i'm happy with maybe like and do you just tend, do you just tend to do this literally behind the stage or do you go into the bus or i usually i will usually if the bus is in a nice spot and you know got access to to it right away i'll head to the bus edit real quick on the bus head into the venue upload to dropbox right away everybody everybody by the time the bus is moving on to the next venue should have all the photos to look through so you have like a shared Dropbox. yeah okay, like two cool. or three a.m um, everybody should have their photos by, and then I go to bed, and we wake up midday next day. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of my routine for that tour. But like, I'm going on tour with North Lane in August. Okay, and that's in not in a bus. It's in a different. It's a different kind of schedule. So you know that might be interesting. That might be like maybe you might have to upload 
the van at the end of the night. Who knows? You could you could may well not be able to have the time. I mean, they're not in a tiny tiny van, but I mean maybe it's um, they've got crew and stuff, and I love okay. all the, I love all those guys, and I'm glad to be touring with them to like, you know shoot within a similar band to architects within the genre yeah like uh in terms of you know their peers and and support bands and bands they play with because i've toured with them before but when it you know to really give them their set my focus yeah to okay. really like yeah, yeah. you know hone in on stuff that each member does little elements i want to try and capture you know how they move how they behave all those things i want to try and capture and you know the crowd aspects too because they played this weekend at Slam Dunk Festival where it was, uh, their set was really, really great and just got some really great photos from it. It's kind of like okay, a little, yeah. had a little, not practice run, but shot their little, set. Little preview. To get into the feel of yeah. it, to be like, right, you know, I haven't watched them for a while, so I thought, you know, this is, you know, what I'm in for. These are This is their set list right now, which, you know, might change till then, but probably not. And so just again, the feel for it. So, super mundane question, but I'm interested in this. So, What's your like archiving process for that show? So of those hundred, are you deleting fourteen hundred? Yes. And keep those hundred. Yes. And they stay in Dropbox. I'm ruthless. Okay. I'm also terrible. Like when it comes to film, <laughs> I'm terrible. When, I, yeah. I, often, my archive is crazy. I got no. I'm. I don't know. I've got some problem in my head, and I can't work out the best way to archive it. So I've got like three kind of archives going on at once. Okay. Because you know. I kind of take a hard drive with me on tour when I'm like, this is stuff I want to edit on the road when I've got downtime. Oh, okay. But then I have all backups of that back home. And then when I get home, I forget what I've done. What backups you've got. Yeah, and so it's just a total mess. But yeah, I'm ruthless. If the photos don't make the 100 each night, they're gone because I know I'm going to have another opportunity to get them. Unless something has happened before or after the show, which is exceptional, like someone's turned up to hang out Okay. Or yeah. you know, or like friends and family have turned up. They're not going to get deleted regardless of if they're good or not. Yeah. Because yeah. they, even if they're out of focus, even if they're blurry, they still happened. Sure. I want to keep them. Yeah, yeah. Just to even have like, even have like a visual aspect of that moment is good to keep regardless of what it looks like. Yeah. So sort of looking into the future, what sort of projects are you working on? Sort of outside of touring, have you got any sort of long term projects? Yeah. So I've been working on a couple little projects um i spent some time in iceland and i got lots of uh sort of like landscape pictures oh, okay um i kind of like go along with a little poem okay. and i kind of like some other things that are kind of tied in with it and so i want to do a little small book on that which is a very different kind of personal work but you know like deeper into my personal side of yeah photography and aspects of that um, I've also been documenting kind of like su- like suburbia oh, okay. of, of many places I've been going. So spending lots of time in Melbourne, been shooting a lot in suburbia in Melbourne, shooting a lot back home, like, at, um, you know, North London, Hertfordshire. So do, do you just mean photographing sort of, sort of roads of normal houses and... All sorts, really just like kind of like um, everything that's going on in suburbia. You know, cities that are kind of mental and they have like aspects to them that are, you know, crazy as you know something around every corner in london new york you know that sort of thing but um in suburbia you kind of like driving down a normal road and then out somewhere pops something and you're like hold on what the fuck is this (laughs) like the other day i went to walk my dog and someone had just dumped a caravan in the middle of the road like it'd been smashed to shit but someone had just dumped it and like that it like on its own standing in the middle of the road like everyone was like how what the fuck do we do this close the road 
is a great shot. Like yeah, you yeah, look good yeah. in that time and you just want to kind of document the weird shit that happens in suburbia. But also it's kind of like there's there's this also a thing of like I say about city centres, there's so much going on. If you take a photo, it's not necessarily even going to be interesting because there's too much to look at. But if you look at, uh, I think at the front of the ceremony LP, you know, the photo of the house on mm-hmm. Rowan Park, like that's just a normal house. Obviously there's a guy skating in it. But yeah, it's just like photographing something mundane makes you kind of reassess, I don't know, what is this? Like something you just take for granted. Yeah. If that's what, yeah, the sort yeah. of suburbia thing. And, so, and, and like something that kind of ties in that is every day when I'm on tour, I try and spend a couple hours, you know, before or after sound check, you know, exploring the location around the venue. Okay, yeah. So I've got sort of street photos and, and I'm by no means a street photographer, but I love shooting on the street and I yeah. love shooting everything around it and try and capturing like a real quick, just like a day in this place. Sure, yeah. Or like a few hours in this place to see what I can capture. And I kind of spent maybe every day show that I did the last year and a half on the street so I've got I mean what I've two European tours an American tour uh Russia Taiwan Australia like all street shots from all these wow. places so you're gonna try and collate them as well yeah, yeah yeah so they can kind of be tied in and lots of them are portraits of people on the street which don't know they're having so a picture taken them, of them they don't know no they don't know okay do, you, do how often do you go up to people and ask so sorry um, we'll have to go, can I take a photo of you so if you go up to someone and ask can I take a picture of them they instantly become a collaborator so they change because okay. you're not capturing them in their true like like I'm shooting this person walking down you know a Paris street sure I want to capture how they're walking their body language their hunched shoulders their like yeah. you know their faces you know kind of looking a certain way because they're walking and the light's hitting them there but the minute you stop and ask them hey can I take your picture they're going to want to, you know, you're going to want to position them. You're their going to want to post completely them. Change, their yeah. face completely changes. And for me, to capture the real feeling of, to tie in with the show of the, those, those locations is you want to capture the raw person which doesn't kind of, you know, they don't see you. Yeah. They don't see that element. So, you know, I want to capture them as they are. Okay. That's and um, some of the photos I really love and I haven't really shown many of them to many people, but I feel that maybe... I'm putting together a book and a show to do with traveling and fo- and touring and architects and stuff. And I feel that the main pieces of these shows will be pictures of people from around the world that yeah. are in these locations. That sounds like something fascinating. To yeah, I mean, yeah. it's definitely cool to look back on and I've got a lot of work to do, but there's just, you know, especially Eastern Europe and Russia, the faces on the, on the street mm-hmm. in the cold winter. I, just, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just... People as they're coming in from the outside to go down into the um, used like the um, the subway mm-hmm. is just again, amazing. There's so many good pictures, and I try and tie that in a lot now. But I find it actually quite draining to do on a day when I'm not, you know, on tour because, um, you know, like I can't, if I just go into London and I try and do it, I don't really, I don't really have the same adrenaline, I guess. Yeah, I can I can see why. Yeah. I'm used to We're walking used to the same yeah. same streets. I have a routine here that I do for dropping off film, and um, you know spending time here. And I don't see it in the same way. But there are many many times when I'm in London where I just go, I should have had my camera. And now yeah. and now I really. But don't, don't you always take your camera with you? I do. I do now ninety percent of the time. But, okay. But if you're on a night out. Yeah, that yeah. is fair enough. Yeah. Um, so speaking of like buying stuff you, do you have a place where you can buy prints you have a web store right I have a print store you can order prints website's pretty tricky to um, kind of 
navigate. I don't really have it set up that well. For is it something you do you post them out, or is it like through a third party? Sort so of thing? it used to be that I was ordering them and printing them myself, mm-hmm. like doing the whole process. Uh, but now um, a place in East London runs it all for me. I put the photos up and oh, cool. and they ch- they hand check them and I trust them and it means that I can do it while I'm away on tour. Because, yeah, you're away for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I can't offer an exceptional printing service at home while I'm away because all the orders would back up and no one would ever get their prints and everything would probably be well, wrong. That's quite fascinating because you could take a photo in Australia of Architects or Good Charlotte or whoever, upload it and the next day someone could buy it online in yeah. London and have it delivered the day after that well that that was that was what I wanted was to be able to put up like a few photos from every show the night before oh and that would okay, like yeah. so it would be like right we've played a show in London another photos are up on the web store next night and so that people can continue because it's kind of like always I want to continue that experience for people it's a lovely memento yeah like well, that's yeah if people go to the show they have a really good time they want to buy their partner something or they want to buy you know th- you know them something to keep mm-hmm. you know or a gift for a friend um, it's really cool to be able to do that quickly the next day. Yeah. But I don't really have the same network as the band do. The band have lots of people that follow them. Not all of them follow me. So I didn't want to invest too much time into it. So you can just, um, I kind of keep it pretty chill. Yeah. People. Oh, you've got, you've, you've got decent following online. I think. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, people order prints here and there, but it's, 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 there's no heavy stream. Okay. Yeah. So what's, uh, what does the future hold in sort of terms of long long-term sort of goals are you going to continue to tour and photograph as much as possible yeah i mean i i like that i've been working with architects for a long period of time i have a big body of work um i'd like to put a book out yeah uh, to do with kind of not 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 the architect's book because i don't feel i mean i couldn't do that that would need research it would need all the other photographers that work with a band yeah many many older photos including it but i feel like i kind of want to do Something that tells a story from... This year to this year, sort of thing? Yeah, sort of, um, you know, from All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us Mm -hmm. through to Doomsday. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel that that is the the time period I've been working with the band and is significant and extremely important in the band's career Mm -hmm. and gone through many changes, uh, you know, many elements of, you know, just kind of like finding more to themselves as a band too. And like, yeah. you know, that's something that I really want to try and show through the photos is the change and, you know, how it is bittersweet, but also is becoming something that is, you know, just incredible. And, and as I say, like, you know, they've always been a part of my life and I shot the photos at um, the Follow the Water music video. Yeah. And that was in 2009, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, yeah. that was like Colchester Arts Centre in the church. Yeah. And like, you know, I took pictures of of stuff like that and, um, you know, those things were shots that people recognize from from back in the day and they're like, yeah, there's that shot, who took that? You know, I gave a print to Sam recently from that show and it's just cool to be able to like marry up those two elements of, um, you know, your life, which is like, you know, one is 2009 and, you know, nearly 10 years later, you're being able to kind of like say, like, here you go, you know, I did this and that was so long ago and you didn't know. And just, you know, those kind of aspects. You... It goes back to kind of like shooting uh, Frank and Gallows. And yeah, working. yeah. yeah like... And, it, and it, all along it's kind of like, you know, what are you, what are you saying? Like it all makes sense. You know, yeah, yeah. In, in many ways, you know, like everything along is just a stepping stone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 
that's what I always, you know, many people ask me for advice. They say, like, how do you work with the bands you work with? And it's like, man, I didn't do anything different than what you're doing now. And you just have to well, keep I've, doing that. Yeah, and say, like, persistency definitely yeah. won. Like, but, as you persistence. say, you did, yeah, continue to shoot bands and do good things. And, was, yeah, that was kind of one thing I want to touch on. Like, what would your advice be to young people if they want to follow in your footsteps? Because it is, it does seem to me that, you know, not everyone can do this. That they're, they're most people, ninety nine percent people, or maybe ninety nine point nine percent people, will just play it safe, get an office job, and you know, it's it's quite a remarkable thing to just decide to. I don't want to say drop out of life. That's a mental thing to say, but drop out of the working world. Yeah, the regular working. You true, you truly do, and it, and what I mean, what I do, and what bands that I tour with do is so dystopian. Nearly, it's just like a whole other world. Where like I after a tour go back into you know come back to London and I look around I'm like fuck yeah yeah I'm just like this is so different yeah. from I'm used to you know we're in a bubble we we play the show we mm-hmm. get on the bus we got our routine for you know thirteen fourteen people on a bus yeah I live on a fucking bus <laughs> like that's something that you know you try and explain to someone's like, yeah, what do you do? And it's like, yeah, I just live on a bus with like 13 men and like we play some shows and we take some pictures and it's kind of like, my friends don't get it. Like, yeah. you know, friends that I grew up with, they don't really get what I do. They guess they think that, you know, I take pictures of bands here and there, but the reality is that it's actually a laborious job. You, yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of, it takes a lot of time. It takes a, a lot of like mental patience. You're you're in the dark in a bunk for long hours, traveling long distances. Mm-hmm. You're on long flights. You know there are so many aspects to it, and and I hear from many people like you know you've got the best job in the world and you can't complain and this and that. But the reality is, it's like there are many aspects to it that are incredible and that people wouldn't change. But um, uh, there are there are some which are so far you know so different, and I feel that you know so unexpected let's yeah. say um that like that maybe causes people to drop off and so as you say like many photographers might not hold on so long because mm-hmm. you know they just they do they shoot with one band and then they want to go do something else they want to work for a magazine or they want to work in the city and actually have a place to live yeah or like a work in like a studio job for like a yeah a designer or something like to have consistent photography yeah. work like but i mean uh, I, I, I feel like I'd, I'd be a disservice there by saying you dropped out of life because you just you've essentially just gone freelance. Yeah, but it just, just does seem it's a sort of like extreme version of that. It's it's like extreme freelancing. Yeah, because it's like touring freelancing. It's yeah, not, it's not you're not just in London. You know. Yeah, you're not in one place. You can be anywhere, and also you spread your friends around the world. So like your some yeah. of your closest friends end up being on the other side of the planet and only accessible through a phone, and so you end up having like multiple relationships through a phone. Which can be like, you know, can be tricky. You want to go home, you want to see people, you want to hang out. And you're like, yeah. fuck, like half my friends live in other countries. Different time zones. Well. Different time zones, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, no one's around. But also, you know, I guess to me, it, I love it. I love being able to travel. So you, love, you're definitely, for, for the foreseeable future, you're just going to keep doing this. this I'm going to keep, I'm, I want to keep doing this now because I want to keep telling this story of architects. Like I want to keep documenting it. I want to see, you know, where this goes for them. Nice. That's a good answer. Um, so last question, top five albums and why? So I'll start with the weird one. Ali Faraka Torre, Talking Timbuktu with Raikuda. Okay, yeah, no, Raikuda. Yeah, That's so, my reference there. Yeah, so Marley and Blue's album. Okay. Right. Fucking amazing. 
go and listen to it. Don't need anything else other than that. Talking Timbuktu. It is... If I need a space to go, peace and quiet, I listen to that record. Do you tend to listen to music while you're editing photos? I listen to music while I'm editing photos. I never listen to heavy music. Okay, Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, I'd be mad. I kind of listen to the same people over and over and over again now. Like uh-huh. I kind of go in kind of routines. I listen to a lot of 70s rock and roll. Uh, I listen to, you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Uh, you know Neil Young on his own mm-hmm. listen to um, lots of like funkadelic music that my parents brought me up on cool but also you know that doesn't come into my top favourite records but you know those elements kind of are a big part of my life that I don't photograph they're nothing to do with photographing they're nothing to do with the music industry I'm in and it's great to just like step into a non-touring world yeah. old albums like different textures and different instruments and really like kind of get lost in that and so I have that on a lot when I'm editing. Okay. Um, so that's album one. Um, Songs for the Deaf. Who's uh-huh, the Stone Great Age. choice. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's definitely an album. I kind of like, I remember vividly sitting, watching Krang, you know, probably like, what, 13 or something? Or, you know, 12 or 13. And, um, no, uh, you know, the No One Knows. yeah. The fucking deer music video. <laughs> yeah. you know, so weird. Those all the videos from that uh, record were really weird. Yeah, and what was the, the, the Go other, with the Flow was on Go the with truck. the Flow was amazing. It was on the truck where they kind of it was like an animated but sperm flying through the sky. Isn't it? Was it that? I, I thought think it was, it's that. I thought it was like someone chasing them in a truck and they were they were paying in the back of a pickup truck. Oh maybe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, isn't that animated though? Yeah, it's animated, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. it's like on Route sixty six or whatever, it's like, like a long road sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That Fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. That, um, never mind, Nirvana. Okay, nice. Huge. Was given that record by, um, I think a friend of our family gave me a burnt version of it uh-huh. with gel pen Nirvana written on the, you know, like the little slip yeah. with all the song names like handwritten out. Like insane. Nice. So sick. Um, Meteora, Linkin Park. Oh yeah. Massive influence on me when I was younger and now it wasn't in my top five yeah yeah yeah. but now like when I go back and listen to it more and more now it's like that is so influential on so many metalcore bands and like just generally like new metal that record I feel more so than Hybrid Theory yeah because I because I'm a bit older than you like Mm. Hybrid Theory was the sort of one that was around but then they're one of those bands that kind of blows my mind I mean perhaps unfortunately not anymore but you assume that well I assume growing up I was into them then I stopped listening to them and so they stopped but no in reality they are so unbelievably big yeah um, I don't know if they can continue or not but yeah, yeah. it's like one of those it's kind of like someone like Muse or someone you expect that Origin of Symmetry is the best record and you just forget about them yeah whereas in reality they just go on like vertical trajectory <laughs> like yeah, they're ab- so big absolutely so what's that that's three that's four four so I need one more. There is the Black Album. Okay. Metallica. That made me want to play guitar. That's cool. And there's nothing more to it, and it's probably one of like the best like metal metal records ever. So nice. Yeah, that's it. Nice. Well, when I was starting the podcast, you're definitely someone I had in mind that I wanted to interview. I didn't want to just interview people that were in bands and stuff. So yeah, for sure. Thank you for doing this. Cool. Well, yeah. Thanks for having me. Man.